Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast, where self-discovery is your superpower. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Sue Bryce and our lineup of amazing guests. Together, we'll explore the distinct connections between self-value, relationships, career growth, and financial abundance. Through real personal stories and expert wisdom, we'll arm you with sustainable tools and strategies to become the best version of yourself and create the life of your dreams. Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this week my guest is Melissa June. Melissa really has a knack for empowering others, and that is exactly what she does during this episode. Something Melissa struggled with before starting her whole self-value journey was not making herself a priority. She was always making sure others were okay first. She also suffered from being a workaholic in the hospitality business, and the grind was really starting to beat her down. Melissa shares that, unfortunately, it took a health scare to slow her down and to stop with the people-pleasing, and how ultimately she has made an incredible transformation in her life. You can hear this plus so much more on today's episode with Melissa June. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Self-Value. How are you? I'm so good. So good. Even better now. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. It's summer in Michigan. I love summer. We have the best summers. You do have the best summers. You have the best summers and the best falls. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. Fall here is amazing with the colors and Mm-hmm. With the leaves, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is going to be a really, a really interesting conversation because I feel like so much has happened for you in kind of a shorter period of time. I think, like you've got, you've gone through a lot and just, just a, made a lot of changes in, in a shorter period of time. And yes. you know something that I always ask people is like, let's take it back to when self-value wasn't even a thing for you and what your mindset was back then. And I, I'm so curious to hear about that because I know right after this recording, you're leaving for Bali to speak at a women's retreat, which is such just a contradiction to what you were, you know, how things were for you before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. not contradiction might not be the right word, but just a uh, complete Transition. 180. Transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Transformation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so exciting. So many exciting things happening for you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a wild journey, (laughs) honestly. So yeah, I I was diagnosed with breast cancer two years ago and that diagnosis really catapulted me into a whole other level of consciousness, honestly. And, you know, there's something about getting a diagnosis like that or just, you know, facing your own mortality in some type of way that really forces you to see your life almost from the outside looking in. And it really does shift your perspective in every single way and kind of shines a light on all the things that you didn't really know about yourself, the things that you thought you knew about yourself. Mm -hmm. And it really kind of puts you into a, a, a moment of reflection and really questioning. I mean, you really do question so many things about yourself. Well, okay, Melissa. So obviously I have not personally had, had cancer, you know, um, my very best friend passed away from cancer, another one of my best friends from cancer. So I really, they are the perspective that I've seen. And then just hearing and talking, you know, people like you. Now, what I am have tried to take away, and I think maybe people listening who don't have cancer, but 
or like a life-threatening illness or they've never been faced with death or, you know, something like that. Like if we can learn from you to not wait for that to happen, to make these changes, I think that could be a really just it's such an important thing to learn. Like you don't have to go through facing death in order to become the person that you really want to be or that you are underneath. Right. And I will tell you, I'm going to say a bold statement here, but, you know, malignancy in the body is malignancy in the spirit. Mm. And you don't Mm -hmm. have to go through cancer to shift your perspective inward. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I, I believe that the more you shift your perspective inward when you're healthy, maybe the healthier you can be. You know, not to say it's going to, you know, completely eradicate any possibility of getting sick or having disease. But I do feel like when you rid your body and your mind of sort of a toxic environment, I can't help but think that it would make a difference. And maybe it's something that I need to tell myself in order to really feel that. But, you know, on the most fundamental, you know, cellular level, I do feel that way. And I do feel like the more introspective I become and the more honest I become with myself, the more, you know, the more space I have to, I guess, fill my body and my mind and my soul with all of these other things that are maybe healthier and more positive and more uplifting and, you know, more healing, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm a, we, we talked about this actually when we were in person together at the last self value workshop about how that's something I firmly believe as well. Yeah. And, and it, and it really is powerful, but you know, for, for people who are still just kind of like, you know, they're, which, okay, let me back up. I feel like we are always in a state of improving and getting better and focusing on our mental health and physical well-being and all of the things. So I'm not saying like, oh, we've reached somewhere and now we're good to go forever. Like, I don't mean to sound like that. Mm -hmm. But for people who are maybe just starting out on this journey, I think it's good for them to hear, you know, maybe what your mindset was before, Mm -hmm. you know, before this whole self-value journey started for you. Because I think it's really relatable where people are like, okay, if I hear that Melissa was here before and now in a short amount of time she's here make maybe I can do that too yeah you know? I for sure absolutely and I think that it starts with well I think for me I've always lived really full right really full life but I really didn't live that full life with a lot of intention before I didn't mm. give the life my life a lot of direction you know telling it like really really tapping in on what I really wanted and then and then doing those things accordingly. I think that there's this sort of, you know, people ask me all the time that there's this sort of pivotal Melissa, like the before Melissa and the after Melissa. And the and people that meet me now are like, were you just some different person then? Like would I not recognize you? Like, no, I was I was the same person, but maybe not as deep, maybe mm-hmm. not as and maybe not as um maybe not as aware of where I was producing my life. You know, I I thought that what I, I knew what I thought I wanted and then I just did it, right? But without constantly taking a temperature check and re-engaging and questioning those things. And so before you knew it, it's like I had really worked so hard to build this life 
that I always wanted. And then by the time I got there, it wasn't what I wanted anymore. Do you, uh, I've just, I can relate to this so, so, so much. Do you think it has any, and I could be wrong on this, but do you think it has anything to do with it being just such like a go, go, go mm -hmm. culture that we live in? Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah. you know, and I tend to be, and I know you, you too, very high energy and mm -hmm. I, I will just like do things sometimes without fully thinking them through and that sort of thing where I wonder if these characteristics kind of plus this go, go, go culture lends us to like, I'm going to do this next and then I'm going to do this and not really sitting with how it makes us feel For and sure. what we're g truly getting out of it. And is this really what I want? Mm -hmm. I think absolutely. And I think, you know, we go into autopilot in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. And I'm sure it's the same for men, but obviously I can only speak to women. But we go as women into this autopilot on what we're supposed to do. And we start shooting ourselves, right? We should be doing this. In a sp and, and then when we start having children, it's like if we decide to have children, it's, you know, what school are they going to go to? What preschool are they going to go to? What this and that and the sports and the tutoring. And you get caught up in all of this momentum that, that you're just doing a lot of things. And you're not really engaged in them or feeling through them or, you know, growing through them or really even deciding, you know, is this what I want? Is this what my kids want? Is this what my family wants? Or is this just what, you know, the people around me are doing? And so I think it's what I'm supposed to do. It's what I'm, sh you know, it's what I should do. Yeah, it's so true. So, and I'm thinking about myself in this moment, you know, as you're talking about this and I've, I've got a million balls in the air and I always tell myself, I want to slow down. I want to not be so busy and have so many balls in the air. Mm. And little things that I've been doing, like when, when my youngest, he's five, when he asked me to play with him. And it's like, I can think in my head of 20 other fucking things I need mm. to do right now. And of course I can't every single time he asked me to play with him. Mm. But if the last five times I said I can't right now, like I got to sit and play. Like I'm really just trying to find ways to bring it back to just those simple joy and pleasure and just not only being with my kids and my husband, but, but being alone with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, do you do that? Do you like take the time to really sit and feel? Yeah, I will say that I'm with you on that. I mean, you know, you, you and I know that very similar creatures. And frankly, you know, when I got diagnosed with cancer, I was incessantly almost doubled down on that mentality. It was like I had just hit a point in my career where I was like, yes, I got this. Like I was nailing it. I was really growing. I was doing the things that I loved. I was getting, you know, um, I guess validation or attention for it. I was, it was really like, you know, the, my prime in my, uh, in my work life and then really my prime in my family life. And so when I got hit with this diagnosis treatment, I was like, well, this is super inconveniently timed and I am not going to let it slow me down. I've worked way too hard to get to where I'm going. And I, and I literally was still go, go, go. I mean, when I got diagnosed, I had my bilateral mastectomy and a week later I was at a conference and then two weeks oh later, gosh. I had reconstruction, and I went to two conferences after that with my drains still. Oh my god! In, I mean, I was like, "This isn't going to slow me down." Until literally after a couple of chemo treatments, and it was one of those moments where I learned that this lifestyle was going to take me out. 
and that it wasn't like it, it stopped becoming a choice. And so when I go around and I speak at a lot of conferences now, and I particularly speak to a lot of professional women, and my biggest topic that I get asked to speak on is exactly that moment. It's the, when you're stopped and you're like, do this before you have to. Yeah. Slow down yeah. before you, the universe gives you a solid reset that knocks you on your ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because the universe will do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you don't listen to what you need to do, and, you know, also we start to think that we're all encompassing and that we need to do it all. And this sort of controlling mentality that's only hurting us, you know, delegate. And we talk about speaking to joy, delegate the things that don't serve you, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not your superpower and, and really embrace the things that you do so well, because those are the things also that are going to give you joy and fill you up and give you energy. And then you have more capacity to do more, like taking five minutes time out to play with our kids. Yeah. Because you're a hundred percent right. Like if, if you just keep going and like I did forever, I mean, for I'm turning 40 or I just turned 40, you know, you keep going and going and going and going, it, the buck will stop somewhere. And whether you slow it down or it stops you. Uh, Melissa, you know, obviously we, we've all received messages from childhood sure. and from society and the media and like all, all of the things about how we're supposed to be or whatever. But for you personally, where do you think that came from that you felt like you needed to continually be striving for more and going, going, going and not even allowing yourself to heal from having your both of your breasts removed? Like, where do you think that came from that yeah. you had that message that you couldn't just allow yourself to heal? Well, I properly? think that's, I think that comes into the self value. It's like, I just constantly felt like I had to prove myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. my value was based in my productivity, and my mm-hmm. value Gosh, was based I can in so what, relate. Yeah, my value was based in what I could do for others. Mm-hmm. My value was based in how I could. I mean, literally, I built an entire career on hospitality, and it was all about how I can predict someone's needs and know what they needed before they even knew they needed it. It was this this surf, you know, service driven. Uh, you know, space where mm-hmm. I didn't have a boundary between where that was a service I was providing for a job that I was getting paid for to in my personal life where everybody needed something from me and I didn't know how to tell them no and I didn't want to because maybe some sort of unspoken contract I had with myself that if I didn't do those things, then did I lack value? God, what a lot of pressure to carry around. Yeah. I mean, to yeah. I feel like at that with that with that sort of mentality, you are never fulfilled because it's right. how can you be when you have that sort of pressure, the people pleasing? And you know, obviously Sue talks a lot about people pleasing too. And I always knew I was a people pleaser, but hearing things like what you just said and like hearing Sue talk about people pleasing, I'm like, dang, that was that's a that's a big one. And I think oh. Yeah. So many people out there are are that it's that people pleasing situation is that's rough. It you're a hundred percent right. And you know, it's I had this moment that was so profound. And honestly, when people ask me sort of when this pivotal moment was, for me, it was this moment that I, I got out of the shower, I'd finished chemo. I was about a month out of chemo, actually. 
and I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and it was really a profound moment with myself. I stopped me in my stra- my tracks and I could I just started walking towards the mirror and I could see my eyes and it's like I recognized my eyes but the rest of me was literally gone. And I I really hyper focused on that and I don't know if I stared at myself for a minute or an hour. I mean I literally don't. It was like lost in that moment. But in that moment I realized that I was this shell and I I knew that the person who started this whole journey was gone and I had a decision whether or not I was going to fill this shell up with everything that it was before or if I was going to find or figure something different. And it was it was such a moment for me with my own soul where I decided to, I mean, now post-self-value, now I know that moment was when I decided to love myself more and to expose myself as not everyone's pleaser, right? Not everyone's doer, not everyone's service provider. And, you know, I, I had already sort of been incapacitated in terms of what I could do for others. So I was already sort of in a retreat. So in mm-hmm. that way, it like was you, a, the universe was like, I'm going to show you right now that you are not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like I already you were couldn't. asking for like a way. Okay. I don't know if this is the, tr- the truth, but it seems like you were kind of asking for a way to not have to be serving everyone all the time anymore. And it's like, oh, I'll was, show you how. Yeah, I was tired. You know, for I was tired. And and anyone who knows me knows that that's like such a profound thing for me to even say. Mm-hmm. I was Same, tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And not just tired, like I want to go take a nap. Tired, like I don't care, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like you, I didn't, I was no longer in a, in a headspace where I... I get I got validation from doing from everybody else and maybe that was because I got a glimpse of you know feeling what that love was like without having to do for others. You know again it's it's really hard for me to separate myself from you know the treatment and the experience but I do think that there's a power in you know when you when you do ask for help and you do sort of have to face this vulnerability and this vulnerable space where you can't do everything. And when you stop doing everything and you start asking for help, you start realizing that actually there are people that will hang out with you even if you can't solve all their problems. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? And that there do are you, people that love you and show up for you in a meaningful way without you having to, I guess, earn it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's got to be a balance though. There's got to yeah. be a balance between, because obviously you get joy out of helping people. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, do. maybe not to the point where it's debilitating you and you're feeling like resentment and bitterness because it feels un, you know, like it's not an equal balance. Right. But overall, like, I think we, you know, innately, we kind of enjoy doing things for people when it makes them happy. You know, yes. like, how do you rectify that and, and take a balance there? Because I'm sure you can think of someone in your life, too, and I have to be careful about this because mirror, mirror, if I'm thinking this and saying <laughs> it, maybe it's me doing it. No, yeah. but I don't think so. Right. But, you know, where there are those people who just kind of, like, suck the life out of you and you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, they need, 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 need and never give, 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 give. You know, so how, where is that? Sure. Where do you strike that balance, I guess? 
You know, that's, you're a hundred percent right. Because I think that for me, that was, that was a really tough, that was a really tough boundary for me to learn for myself. Because first of all, being a people pleaser or being a giver was like my identity before. Right. And then I go through this chapter where I'm, you know, super, you know, incapacitated and I can't do for everybody. And I have this identity crisis where I'm figuring out what my role is with everybody. And then, and then I kind of go into this next chapter where I feel like I'm in now where it's, you know, being a giver is a beautiful thing. And, and feeling for people and being an empath is a beautiful thing. It's a gift. Right. And so it's really, I guess, taking that temperature check and understanding why are you doing what you're doing and maybe knowing the difference between being a giver and really showing love and being loving and feeling obligated and not wanting to hurt someone's feelings or trying to protect them in some capacity. I think that there's a differentiator there somewhere. And I think for everybody, that boundary is a little bit different. But for me, it's really tapping into my why. Why am I doing this? What is my intention behind this? And and I think that that's really liberated me in a lot of ways because it's allowed me to start giving again in a way that feels good, but in a way that honors the boundaries that I need in order to give fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how do you think all of this has affected love, like relationships? <laughs> well, it affected all of my relationships. And, you know, about six months after I finished chemo, I asked for a divorce. And truly, it was a really sad, sad, sad time in my life where I learned that the woman that he married was no longer here. Mm-hmm. And even though I love him endlessly, he deserves to be loved the way that he wants to be loved. And I deserve to love and to live the way that I want to love and live. And unfortunately, we were no longer compatible because I just didn't have the same capacity to give him what I had for so many years mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a really difficult that's a really difficult thing to acknowledge and then to be real with and then to do something about because you know it's not because he was a terrible person. It's not because I didn't love him. It's that we were so far out of alignment and truly different people and sort of our evolution changed the trajectory of our relationship. And so, you know, in in the biggest way, this transformation in a lot of ways, I mean, has really had the biggest effect on my family. And, you know, how we explain that to our children and how we show them love as, you know, an unmarried couple and as an, un, you know, as unmarried parents, how do we show up and show out for them and and show them that we're still family, even if it doesn't look the way that it looked before. And again, that you really have to tap again into all of those, all of those modes. You know, what are your boundaries? Where are you giving? Where are you not willing to give? 
you know, and, and really me also hearing his boundaries has been a challenge, you know, because I can't control things the way that maybe I used to be like able to control things. So it's really relinquishing a lot of control and, and, you know, mirror, mirror, taking a look at what you might not want to see Mm -hmm. in yourself and in others. And then honestly seeing, maybe seeing them in a more beautiful way at some point, you know, through this enlightenment or through this, you know, evolution, because now you're so much more aware, I guess, of where each other is. Does that make sense? I Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. But for people who are listening who might not understand or, or haven't heard this like mirror, mirror concept, would you mm-hmm. mind just kind of explaining? Because, you know, if you haven't done like the self-value workshops with Sue and that sort of thing, you might not, mm-hmm. you might not know yet. So we oh my gosh. kind of talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yes. I mean, mirror, mirror, I don't know about you, but mirror, mirror was my biggest aha. It's in, profound. It's it's yeah. a game changer in just life, in every relationship and everything you do. So mirror, mirror, it's, you know, I think it's easier to explain almost by giving an example, but it's what you see, what you're upset about, what you love, what you need to see is is mirrored back at you. So if I'm so upset with my husband because he's so controlling, and then what I learn is actually I'm very controlling. Mm. It's mm-hmm. maybe we're controlling different things, but our that emotional reaction to what I'm seeing him do, and it's actually mirroring what I am not seeing myself do. Mm-hmm. And you know, here's a even I I think that this is even uh, um, maybe more positive and more fantastic example of mirror mirror because it just happened to me last week when I was in Houston at a conference and I was at an event and I had two young women, probably about 22, 23 came up to me, never seen them before, don't know them. They weren't part of the conference and they were just pouring compliments all over me. Just, you know, oh my gosh, we love your look. We love your hair. We love your style. We love your vibe. You are a boss. I want to be like you when I get older and all of these just amazing. I mean, totally unsolicited, fantastic, just energy filling, you know, compliments. And I'm like, wow. And I said, ladies, come with me. And we went to the bathroom and Nikki, the most epic thing happened. I said to them, look in the mirror. And there was two mirrors. So they both stood on each side of me. And I was like, tell yourself what you just told me out there. Mm. And then they did it. And I said, now tell yourself louder, now louder, tell yourself louder. I mean, got to the point, it was like this spiritual moment. I felt like I was in church. It was like, (laughs) I was watching these women see themselves differently and they started crying. It was, it was just unreal. It was, it was really surreal. And it gave, it showed me the power of the mirror really in, in this really transformative way. It's, you know, there are moments that we mirror things that we don't like. And then there are these really empowering moments where we mirror things that we want to be. And I think that that's, you know, the perspective shift. It's if you love what somebody else is putting out, see that in yourself. Mm-hmm. If you are envious of what somebody else is doing, do that for yourself. Create that for yourself. If you're yearning for something, create it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the that's really the uh, impact of mirror, mirror, 
once you get past the blow to your ego <laughs> and you get past sort of the awakening that some that hurts a little bit and the growing pains you really see the opportunity because you start to see what you really want mm-hmm. um, in your in yourself and in your life. I've been able to kind of, you know, ever since learning this whole mirror, mirror concept, I've been kind of just reflecting back to, you know, every so often certain things that I did or said will pop up as a memory. And, you know, someone that I was in a long-term relationship with before I got married, I remember saying to him, like, you don't love me for me. Like, you don't, you know, and... I was really just saying, like, I didn't love myself yet. Like, Mm -hmm. I was just a lost soul with very low self-esteem, even though it might not have looked like it on the outside. Mm -hmm. So much so that I'm like, you don't love me for me. And it's just... It's just sure. really interesting to look back to certain parts of my of my life where it is so obvious to me now. Mm-hmm. Or even now, if I'm saying something to Dan, my husband, like, hey, this is really bothering me, or I get I freak out about something or I snap about something. And I I always have to think like, okay, and we do something called a redo in our mm. in our house. Like our kids get redos and and Dan usually doesn't need a lot of redo. <laughs> I'm usually, I'm more of the tornado of the household. <laughs> you know, something that jumps out at me is I often don't feel like, quote unquote, appreciated. Mm. And so I would be like, you don't thank me enough. You don't appreciate what I do. But there are times when, okay, in this, in this, I was reflecting back to myself in two ways, where one, I wasn't giving myself enough credit for the things I was doing. And I also wasn't thanking him enough for what he was doing. You know, so I flipped out about something, and then, of course, you know, I sit with it for a little bit, and I come, you know, an hour later, I'm like, can I please have a redo? And he's like, absolutely. And then I'm like, okay, first of all, I want to thank you for all of the things you do. And second, I'm really overwhelmed, and I'm not taking time to really sit back and look at the things that I'm accomplishing right now. You know, and so then we just talk through it. And and we're allowing our kids, when they respond in a way that maybe wasn't the most appropriate or the best, I allowed them to have a, a redo because how do, how else do you learn but practice? Anyway, Mira that Mira is, has- That's so empowering. I mean, think about how you are influencing the kids in so many ways. I mean, first of all, just even admitting and being reflective, admitting that you don't, you're wrong or admitting that it doesn't feel good and then being reflective on what you can do different or how you can say it different. I mean, I think that that's a power. Like, if we all were socialized that way growing up, I mean, how much more evolved would we be as just humans? You know, I think mm-hmm. that's really powerful, and I, I can relate to that in the way with the kids. That you know, one of the things that I got on them towards the end of the year as they're finishing their projects, and it was like, you've got to, you know, you got to get disciplined, and you got to get focused, and you got to get. And I'm naming all these things, and I had this moment like. um, Okay, <laughs> Melissa. Like, does that maybe that means that you need to be getting disciplined, and maybe that means mm-hmm. that you need to be getting focused? And how are we modeling this discipline and focus to the children, to the kids? And it is one of those things. Like that, we sit down with them, and I say, you know, hey, you know, this is what I said, and I this is what I you know am seeing now in myself, and what are the things that we can do to support each other as we do this differently. And, you know, how can I support you in developing a system or a process or a schedule that helps you succeed and, you know, vice versa? And I think that it creates sort of this 
contract in the home and in these other relationships, you know, in your family that's so much more honest, you know, and, and maybe we have less meltdowns when, you know, we're a little bit more honest about what's not working. Yeah, absolutely. And, and giving those, like you said, maybe it's having a system that wasn't in place before or a structure or like, we have to kind of teach ourselves and our kids what to do differently. Like, I know it doesn't feel good when this happens, but right. what do I do instead? You know, yeah. it's, that is the, and, and, you know, I was a social worker therapist before, and it's like cognitive behavioral therapy where you are replacing a specific thought with a different thought. It's same thing with replacing behavior with a different behavior. You know, what is it that they should be doing or that you should be doing? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, for sure. I, I was going to add more there, but. <laughs> well, and it's interesting too, how we're saying mirror, mirror, and you had this, you know, just um, inc- incredible experience when you saw yourself in the mirror. I mean, there's just so much about this is all, it's just so much self-reflection going on. Yeah, it was, I'm not kidding. That moment looking at myself in the mirror and it's, it was more, it was this whole body uh, revelation, you know? There's no hair. I had scars. My body didn't look the way that it did just a few months before that, you know? And then, you know, bags under my eyes and dark, you know, dark lines and, you know, sunspots all over my skin. And it was like I was oddly attracted to the imperfections I was seeing because those imperfections reflected the strength that I had inside. It was the, you know, the most my body had been broken down, yet it was the strongest I had ever felt. Wow. It's, and I think that that is like, it did, it did allow me to see my body just fully differently. I mean, the expectations that we put on ourselves and our bodies as women is profound and it's intense. And just this, to kind of relinquish that and to, I guess, let it go. Now, granted, I'm not saying it's all the way gone, right? We all have things that that perk back up, but I think it just created a mindfulness of it and a different perspective to allow me to embrace it a little bit, right? And to be, you know, a little bit more, um, what's the right word? To be, to give myself more grace. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we give ourselves enough grace in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been so many times when, and I did this. I remember I did this on stage at the self-value workshop when I was saying like the things that I wanted and people were looking at me like, you know, you've already achieved a lot of that. Right. And I'm like, oh. well, fuck, I guess, <laughs> you know, you just don't give yourself yeah. enough. It's like, mm-hmm. what's next? But, or if you did something well, it's like, oh, but, you know, but this is hard for me here. Or, oh, well, that's just the easy part or whatever. We don't give ourselves enough credit to just be in our achievements. I think you're right. And I, I, I actually loved that moment on the stage when you were, when that was happening, because you could see your perspective shift and, and seeing some of that in yourself. You know, we were all kind of able to witness that realization, which is really powerful because it's authentic. 
and it's genuine and it's so relatable. I mean, how many of us do that? I, I imagine we all do that in some capacity. So, you know, I think that that's that kind of a breakthrough to kind of see that kind of a breakthrough not only is really great to show others that, you know, to to reflect back on their own successes and the things that they've accomplished, but also to maybe set new intentions, you know, and to think bigger and deeper. And mm-hmm. because because if you've already done half of the things that you want to do, it might be time to, you know, reflect again and, you know, broaden that scope. Yeah, absolutely. Setting intentions is, it's such a powerful, important thing. And it requires sitting down, like what we were talking about at the at the beginning of this interview is really sitting down and feeling and just understanding what it is that we want and feeling mm-hmm. where we're at presently. Mm-hmm. There's just so much of actually feeling. And I think sometimes that's what we're avoiding. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think it's also really intimidating. I think sometimes it what is, we want yeah. is, scares us. And we sometimes don't even want to admit it to ourselves because we're afraid that we're going to fail or we're afraid that it's not it within our realm of reach or whatever. And I think the best practice I had pre, I mean, honestly, the very beginning of my self-value journey really was I couldn't even identify what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I made a list of what I didn't want. Yeah. Because that, that I knew, that I could tap into. I had hit a level of frustration or a level of, you know, I'd hit a wall to such a degree that it was possible for me to say, I don't want that. I don't want that. And then things that you want start coming up. Okay, put that one over to the side. And before you know it, you're starting to aggregate a list of what you do want. And the more you connect with that, it sort of builds on it on itself. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to kind of get a deeper sense of awareness, you know, an understanding to what it is that you want so that you can go get it. Yeah. You know, if you're going to write down a list of the things that you've ever achieved and the successes that you've had, then you know, this is a great next place next thing to do. It's yeah. I've done all that, now what do I want? So, you know, I mean, self-value is so intertwined with love and money, <laughs> hence the name of the podcast. So, yeah. Have you found that you know, just this kind of newfound revelation of who you are and what you want and all those things, has that impacted your ability to earn money or receive money or give money or anything related to money? Yes, in every way. I mean, money is actually my number one avoidant behavior. And it was where I was What do you mean by that? Like avoidant behavior? Yeah. So when, you know, we all have these different avoidance behaviors that I like to think of as red flags in yourself. Right. When you start overeating, when you start drinking a ton, when you're, you know, getting, you know, I guess, well, let me start. Spending too much money. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Spending too much money. There's all sorts of these different avoidant behaviors. It's it's sex, it's money, it's food, it's drinking, it's gambling, it's these things are ways that we are sort of, um, ways that we are seeking fulfillment mm-hmm. in ways that we are unfulfilled and maybe avoiding because we don't want to necessarily make the change that we need to make in order to do the thing differently or in order to be more fulfilled organically. And I think that that's 
one thing that I definitely came to terms with when I started going through this journey too is, you know, I had several avoidant behaviors. And when you stop utilizing those things, or actually when you start becoming aware of what you're doing, it becomes a really convenient red flag. Like, oh, I don't normally do this. And you're starting to do it. What's going on? You know, if you're starting to eat so much and you're not normally eating the things, you know, you're not eating the things that you normally eat, what are you trying to fill? If you are starting to drink a bunch and you're going out and you're getting drunk and you're losing, kind of spiraling in that capacity, what are you trying to uh, suppress or wash away or ignore? You know, if you are overspending and constantly, you know, ignoring your finances, where are you trying to place value that you don't feel like it exists? Like, where are you overcompensating from a value perspective? And it's it's like the value living on the outside, right? And it's giving that, you know, that um, measure to something else, whether it's a thing or, you know, or not being able to ask for a thing. So it's either not valuing yourself and what you have to offer or needing validation from somebody else in order to tell you what you have to offer or what your value is. And I think that's been really powerful for me. It's just getting real with, this is what I do. This is what I'm really good at. This is the service and the thing that I can provide. And this is what it costs. Mm-hmm. And then when you come to terms with, the, you know, this knowing that this is your superpower and this is what you have to offer and owning that, you know, the abundance comes through that, um, I guess that cycle. And it's just a much more realized cycle. Yeah, definitely. I feel like too, it's, it's trying to take the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, especially for someone, if you are an entrepreneur, if you have your own, you know, business and you're setting your prices and that sort of thing, or if you are in, you know, a W2 kind of salary job and asking for that raise when you deserve it, you know, it, it really could go either way, but taking the emotion out of it and understanding that this is an equal val- equal give and exchange mm-hmm. situation here where I am going to provide this amazing service and I am worth X amount. You know, it's, it's right. just an yeah. you know, equal value of an exchange thing and it doesn't have to have this huge emotion attached to it that I don't deserve it and I don't, you know, because we all go there. Uh, right. Yes. And it's painful. I mean, I, and truly I avoided money for such a long time. Same. I mean, really kind of handing that over to even my husband to manage when we were married and, and really relinquishing my, my control or my power even more, right? Where I disassociated myself even from the money conversation because I didn't know my role in it. Maybe I didn't Mm -hmm. acknowledge my value within that structure, I there were so many things that I had to come to terms with, honestly, that, yeah. you know, when I when I became a single woman, a single mother, it was, let's get real. You know, what are you doing? And I was spending so much time doing things for people that wasn't bringing any money in and then not spending time doing the things that, that would or could. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's that when you talk about energy, it's that exchange of energy. And, you know, it grows where your energy, you know, where your attention goes. And I think that that's really, honestly, it's really empowering. It was scary as hell, honestly, 
taking control of my own finances and becoming more financially autonomous. But it was the most empowering part of my transformation, I think. And it still is. I mean, really, that's really where I'm at. It's still where I'm growing and learning because for so many decades of avoiding this, you know, I'm 40 and really getting my education on how to manage money and invest it and Mm -hmm. use it and budget it and give it direction, as Sue likes to say, uh, that, you know, it's been... It's been an incredible opportunity, but it's humbling as hell. Yeah, it is humbling. Mine mine was also money. That was a huge one for me. And my like level of debt that I had was mm. reflective of what I thought I deserved. And so even when I started making a ton more money, when I switched careers and started my business or whatever, I still couldn't keep the money. Mm-hmm. It was just flowing right through me. Because right. I just didn't feel like I deserved to have it. Like my level, like being in debt matched how I felt about myself, if that makes yeah. sense. And so oh I gosh, shifted yeah. that was, you know, and thank, thank God for Sue for all that, helping me through all that. Cause I was just like, and we were going through it together. You know, she was experiencing it as well. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Sue also just, saved me. And so I I can say saved me. I guess she would say I saved myself with this new awareness to Mm -hmm. it, right? But just the education that I got and the perspective shift, I think all of this has been, all of this in self-value seems to be about just shifting the perspective. You know, you Mm -hmm. just shift how you're thinking about things just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're willing to, you know, be aware of where your ego is and- You know, I think that's the other thing is that, you know, we have to be willing to make the changes that we see necessary once we start seeing ourselves in this different light. And I mean, obviously, we can both say that it, that, you know, the other side is, and I'm going to say the other side, like you said, the finite, it's not like a finite destination, but the other side is really liberating, but it's also never over. You know, that you're never so enlightened that you're just there, that this is Mm -hmm. a destination and you're there. It's like, no, the more you uncover, the more you learn you have to uncover. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. (laughs) The more aware of my own avoidance behaviors, the more aware I am of the inner child that created, you know, that reality. The more that I'm, you know, realizing how far back it goes and what I need to still unfold in order to, uh, to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited for you. I mean, Thank you. you're in remission, correct? I am in remission. Yes. Mm-hmm. You are like going to speak at a women's retreat in Bali. <laughs> I am going to speak at a women's I mean, retreat in Bali on, cool yeah, on mental health. And really, um, I'm just, it's very surreal. I turned 40 last week. And this last year has just been, I mean, literally, I finished chemo almost exactly a year ago. And it was like finishing chemo, going through a divorce, a total career shift. I moved. And now it's like, as the, I like to say, the ashes have started to settle. It's this, now I'm rebuilding. And and now I get to rebuild with so much more consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I have found that the more I have conversations like this, the more inspired I feel. And the more others, the more I learn I can work with others doing different things and the more I can collaborate. And it's sort of like this 
this really beautiful universal thing where the more I grow and the more the people around me grow, the more we all sort of raise the vibration. And, and I think that that's just fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Well, thank you for sharing all of this. I do have a couple questions that I always ask at the end of each episode, if oh, you don't mind. I don't mind. Awesome. Okay. Number one is what would you tell people who are just starting out on the self-value journey? Hang on. <laughs> uh, yeah, hang on and and really get real. I mean, ditch the ego and really learn to recognize the ego early on so that, I mean, so you can get on this journey and really like rebirth yourself. I mean, it's liberating as hell. So hang on. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Number two, what do you either do or say to yourself when you start to feel like you're getting off track and maybe regressing a little bit? Mm -hmm. I, well, my mantra is make it fucking happen. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. It's like if you yearn for something, create it. And if you aren't making it happen, you don't really want it that bad. So it's like, you know, Get yeah, real. if you're not making it happen, you don't want it that bad. That's such an important statement right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. All yes. right. Number three is what is your new favorite thing? Could be a product, a TV show, recipe, like literally anything. Oh, I have this really amazing book. It's called I Am Her Tribe. It was written by a cancer survivor, a breast cancer survivor, and it's just loaded with poems that are all super inspirational. And I use it as part of my morning ritual after I kind of have my quiet time and reflect a little bit. I open it to a random page, and it's whatever it is on that page that I feel like I need to see that day. And it's just like my daily inspiration. And it's like, it's such an amazing, I got it as a gift from a girlfriend of mine, and it's been just incredible sense. Love those kind of gifts. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. Where can people find you online, Melissa? I am on Instagram, the realist Melissa June. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yes. Sweet. And that's the best spot? That's the best spot for now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for just opening up and being vulnerable and sharing everything. I appreciate you. And I can't wait to see you again. I appreciate you. It's been great chatting with you. And I'm excited to kind of see what this next chapter looks like for you. And all of these, I think that I'm just so pumped for self-value to um, be out there for everyone. I feel like Mm -hmm. I've been talking about it nonstop for the past six, you know, eight months. And, you know, I just think it's going to be a game changer for so many people. Agreed. Agreed. Sweet. Well, thanks again, honey. And I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the Self-Value Podcast. If you want even more about self-value to start changing your own life, head over to selfvalue.com where you can find all of the education you need to start reaching your full potential. Also, your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? We really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today, but don't forget to head over to selfvalue.com.